0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. NFL draft. The Detroit Lions
1: select. Jameer Gibbs, running back, Alabama.
2: Back off looks, off throws, caught inside the one, fighting for the end zone and getting in for the touchdown. Detroit Lions. Amon Ross, Saint Brown.
3: Snap. He's got it. Wants to throw. Wentz, looks, looks. Pressure guns, went, hit, sack. Back inside the twenty. Aiden Hutchinson. That's number two. <laughs> Yo, what is going on, guys? Welcome back to the Pride Podcast, episode 308 on the Blue Wire Network. I am Euros Tyler, joined with my two guys, as always, Mr. Malcolm Hart here. Boys,
1: how are we feeling today? I'm feeling good, man. It's been a nice Wednesday today, right? We got the Lions coming up on Sunday. I'm feeling good. Malcolm, what's up with you, brother?
2: Woo! What is going on, guys? Yo, um, I'm, I'm slowly recovered from um, last week's game, uh, but uh, I'm here. I'm getting ready to start. You know, we have week three. Let's go, man.
3: Yeah, no, that game was rough, dude. And it, like, I've am i I'm pretty much turned the page, you know, this Wednesday. It's like all right, Monday, Tuesday, soaked in all the Seahawks. Turn the page now. We got Atlanta this week. Home game. One and one. Time to bounce back. But it's a good team. And we got a special guest to help us break down the Atlanta Falcons. We got my man, Will McFadden. How you doing, my man? <laughs>
4: I'm doing well, guys. Thank you so much for uh, having me on. I'm just trying to figure out, am I coming into waters where you all are going to be gracious to us for knocking off the Packers one week? Or is it just already, you know, no niceties (laughs) like we're full on. It's game week. We're at each other's throats. I'm trying to get a read on that.
2: Well, no, uh, definitely uh, Thanks, we, we appreciate it. <laughs> we well, definitely appreciate
3: uh, it. I'll say this: from Monday to Tuesday, it was nice, and Sunday obviously it was beautiful. I think now, know, now are competitive. and now we're now we're ready to flip the book to the Falcons. Uh, it's not gonna be as nice uh, like it was the other day. If we did this yesterday, we did this Monday. Yeah, it'd be a lot more generous. Um, but um, Will, obviously, you cover the Falcons. Where do you cover the Falcons at? Where do, where can people find you? Yeah.
4: Yeah, so I am a host of Believe in Falcons on the Believe Network with Ovi Mahaley. He and I recap each Falcons game, and those go up bright and early Monday morning. And then a Thursday show, which uh, we'll be dropping tomorrow morning, uh, kind of previewing each matchup. So y'all can check that out if you want to hear kind of our take on the Lions from the Falcon side. And then I'm a writer over at the Falcoholic. Also, tomorrow morning, I do kind of a, an extensive look at all of the Falcons remaining opponents and kind of how they did the week before in kind of like brief snapshots. So, again, if you want to see our look on the Lions and, you know, a little bit of what we're thinking in terms of X factors, offensive, defense players to look for. Go ahead and check that out. Awesome. Well,
2: real quick question, man. Um, Right now, your, your Falcons are 2-0 did they like exceed the expectations right now? Or this is, is something that you guys already kind of expected in off season. Yeah. You guys going to start two and zero.
4: Well, I don't know if the two and O part specifically was on the radar. I think, I think early, early on, right. When you're, when the schedules first come out and you start looking at it and we don't know anything in terms of really how the off season is finished injuries, all that stuff. But we looked at it and said, okay, Bryce young. And then Jordan love, if you're going to get, Bryce Young get him in his very first start. If you're going to get Jordan Love, get him pretty early. That's start number 2. So from that standpoint, I do think there were some Falcons fans who were like, "Cool, 2-0, let's do it." However, I looked at the way the Packers played in week 1 and I was like, "Okay, no, the the Packers are a good team and it's not just about the quarterback. Even though we spend all offseason talking about the quarterback, they have a very good roster especially in the trenches." So I was worried about the Falcons the Falcons could have lost that game in so many different ways uh, last week, but they didn't, they won. So I think that I kind of always expected them to maybe start one and one that felt more correct to me that they started and zero. I think is a testament to the resiliency and the kind of culture that they are building here. But big picture, the expectation has been all season playoffs. You know, if, if the division title is there, that's kind of, I think a cherry on top, but like you got to reach the playoffs. And I think increasingly a lot of people are expecting to win one playoff game when you get in there. So they're they're definitely wanting to see a return to the postseason, however that comes. But that is pretty much the expectation in Atlanta.
1: For sure. That's right. similar here in Detroit. We want to get a division it win um, and we also want to, to play. We don't just want to get bounced. We want to win maybe a game or maybe two. Who knows? Like once you get in, you never know what could happen.
4: Especially with coaches like Dan Campbell and like Arthur Smith, right? Arthur Smith's Titans, when he was there, they they were knocking off the Ravens when it was like Lamar Jackson's MVP year. They were frisky in the playoffs and just a tough out. And so I think that's kind of the identity that they're hoping if if it's here in Atlanta and that's what this team is, then, yeah, that does carry over uh, to the playoffs in kind of the same fashion. Alright, let's talk about these injury reports for both these teams. Pierre,
3: what's the Lions injury report looking for? And then we'll ask you the same question about the Falcons right after. Tyler, you sure you want me to read this right now? Um, I was, um, oh, yeah. Go I got you.
1: Alright. All right. All right. Go left tackle Taylor duckle with an ankle injury, didn't practice. Uh, safety Kirby Joseph with a hip injury, didn't practice. Running back David Montgomery, thigh, didn't practice. Mano Mosley uh, suffered a setback, he didn't practice. Amon rod with a toe, didn't practice. Big V with a knee, didn't practice. Josh Reynolds with the groin was limited. Antoine Green, um, he was a game day concussion protocol evaluation. He was a full practice. And Frank Ragnar, obviously, the toe he's been dealing with all year. He's full. Um, One thing I will say, though, Amin Ra and Kirby Joseph did return to the game, and they played. They played well. Uh, So I think they'll play. I think it's just kind of a rest day for them. We'll see what happens, though.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think it's fair to say Wednesday, we always talk about it, is that it's like not – the fair estimate of who's going to be in and out. I think you get a better estimate usually by Thursday and especially by Friday when those injury game designations come out. So, when you got the questionables, uh, the probables, doubtfuls, whatever. So, we'll know better definitely for Thursday or Friday. So, stay tuned for that on our Sunday live game show. Well, what's the Falcons report looking for? I heard it's not as long.
4: It is not as long uh, and it is much more favorable. So they have a uh, cornerback, Jeff Okuda, who has been dealing with an ankle injury pretty much since the beginning of training camp that has sidelined him. He was a full participant in practice uh, today. So that is a great sign. It's the first time he's been a full participant. Troy Anderson, who missed this last game as he was in the concussion protocol. Uh, he didn't actually come out of the first game. He was entered in the protocol afterwards he came into the facility and just wasn't feeling right so they did it as precaution he missed uh, the Packers game but he was a full participant on Wednesday as well and then the only other person appearing on it uh who did not practice was Calais Campbell but that was because of a veteran rest day so it looks like that is going to be the plan for him on Wednesdays moving forward notably not on it was Cordero Patterson who was a full participant uh For most of, if not all of last week, Uh, my memory fails me on that, but he was not even listed. So I would fully expect to see Cordero Patterson make his debut for the Falcons in Detroit this weekend.
3: Well, the first thing that comes to my my mind, you said Jeff Okuda and full participant hasn't played a game this year. Obviously, we know about Jeff Akuda. We drafted him third (laughs) overall in 2020. And, you know, it just ends up always being like this. It feels like making his debut versus the Lions, which, you know, it just it has to be that way, right? What are Falcons fans' expectations for Jeff Okuda?
4: It's kind of tough to tell, I think, because it's been a little bit, um, you know, when he came and he was in training camp, I think the early returns among us reporters who could see it were, all right, he's, he's steady, he's maybe a little above average, but it, certainly kind of not the Jeff Okuda that I fell in love with in the draft process coming out. I mean, he was... AJ Terrell's in the same exact draft class. I, no question in my mind, I was sold on Jeff Okuda. So when he came and, or when the Falcons, you know, acquired him, I was like, let's, if you're going to bet big or swing for like a lottery ticket, I was so on board. But that wasn't exactly the player that I saw in training camp. I saw, you know, more of a, uh, just a good, solid player in all facets, but not like spectacular in anything, then the injury happened. So a lot of fans just haven't even been able to see Jeff Okuda yet. And it's not like we saw flashes in the preseason, and then he was out. So everybody's just kind of waiting to just know what to make of it. And it's not a marquee position like, you know, quarterback. They, there is, I said, I said, cornerback, I meant quarterback, uh, but we've already got AJ Terrell, Jesse Bates, like, like you guys said has been playing well, Richie grants, like did, the members of the secondary are getting enough attention that it's not just when is Jeff Okuda coming back. That being said, they could definitely use him. Trey Flowers, who has been their reserve corner, had a pretty rough game on Sunday against Green Bay, even though they were missing Christian Watson. And, you know, they've got Mike Hughes, who is kind of waiting in the wings. But Jeff Okuda was brought here for a reason. And if they hit on that, AJ Terrell and and Jeff Okuda in a secondary that's already the second best uh, pass defense in terms of yards given up per game and per play. Obviously, that's just two games. But if Jeff Okuda comes in and is above average, we're talking about a unit now that is a strength for this defense, not a liability like it was two years ago. This is a real legitimate strength. So it, I think people are very excited to see Jeff Okuda come back out on the field. But I do also think that they would understand if he's brought out on a pitch count, if he's worked in slowly, because... It's not like he was a superstar before the injury and the Falcons do tend to take a cautious approach when it comes to player health and so I think it's all of that. I know that was a big long rambling answer, but he's kind of a complicated player so far down here in Atlanta, as you guys know very well from uh, his time up there in Detroit. Oh yeah, we
2: can't wait. We actually um we're actually hoping that he plays.
4: Yeah, we like want it. Yeah. We're,
2: we're we're big Jeff Acuna fans here. This is a big um, Jeff Okuda, uh supporting podcast here. Um, so we we just can't wait to see him play. We 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 really hope. <laughs> Why are you laughing, Tyler? Oh my bad. <laughs> yeah. You you could
3: have, How would you say that with a straight face? That we are big Jeff Akuda fans. I'm, I'm, whatever. I
4: I wish the best for Jeff. <laughs> you guys were ready to ship him out, weren't you? <laughs> I mean, all right. So tell me. So so then, what was it? Oh, so geez. the thing with Jeff
1: is, um, he's like physical. I can break like physical... everything
4: down. I can break everything down. Nah, yeah. biggest, go ahead. Uh,
1: I'm gonna go ahead.
2: No, no, go ahead, go ahead, beer.
1: The thing with Jeff is, so he's he, in the beginning of the year, he was solid. Um, but he also had bracket help, like the, with J- J- Justin Jefferson, he held him. Uh, believe it was it like twenty or thirty yards? I forgot what it was, but he basically shut down just Jefferson with safety up though. It wasn't by himself. Then in Dallas, they moved him kind of to that Joker Nicker, nickel role. And he played phenomenal against Dallas. And then he got hurt, or he had a flu, and then he just sucked the rest of the year. Um, he was in and out of the lineup with injuries. He got benched a couple games. It wasn't good. And then in camp, he didn't have the best camp. Um, not in camp. Was he with camp with us this year? Nah, or OTAs? Or not. OTAs. No. Yeah, I'm thinking about last year. But he's been inconsistent. You know, he'll have, like, one good game, several bad games. Um, he's shown flashes, but not enough. <laughs> Yeah, and it shows why what he got traded for. I mean, he got traded for a fifth-round pick at
3: the end of the day. I believe a pick swap. So, like, you know, there obviously wasn't much value there. I mean, the thing with Jeff Okuda is, I I think Malcolm can definitely relate to this too, is when the ball's in the air, he's there in coverage. Like, he's got good sticky coverage. He just does not know how to make a play on the ball. And that's been the biggest Mm -hmm. issue with Jeff. And obviously, I mean, like, you mentioned it. Coming out of Ohio State, great talent. There's a reason why he went top three. And, like, there's been... Flash is that he could be a good player. Uh, but I think for Jeff, I think it was best for both sides to probably move on and have, yeah. get a fresh start. And I honestly I do wish him the best success. Not this game, but like after this game, <laughs> I do wish him the best success. Yeah, me too. I hope he does succeed in Atlanta. Well, you know in the what?
4: top three, you got to see more than flashes, right? That's well, yeah, why, right. That's why yeah, the, the frustration the, is there. You're like, you, yeah. it's not just a first round pick. it's like a top three pick, man. Right. Yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but the thing is, in his situation now with Atlanta, you know, having that's two really great safeties. I think your safeties are really good. So maybe, maybe that may help him. You know, maybe he yeah. becomes
4: a different player. But um, I mean, when I hear bracket Justin Jefferson, I'm like, well, who's not bracketing Justin Jefferson, right? Like, I don't. You guys are kind of talking right. about Jeff Okuda in the way that like most NFL cornerbacks. Get talked about, yeah, he's going to have a good game, and then he's going to kind of have a slump where he probably gets torched a little bit. And but again, the point is, this was the number three overall pick. Like you're not supposed to be talked about like all the other cornerbacks. You're supposed to be talked Absolutely. about like a Jalen Ramsey, like a Sauce Gardner, like yeah. an AJ Terrell. You know, like these. That was expectations. So. Yeah,
2: that was expectations. You know, yeah. But did did live to that? But um, I mean, there. <laughs> I mean, we'll, we'll see. We'll see about Jeff. I mean, hopefully he plays this week.
4: <laughs> we'll yeah. <I> <laughs> <laughs> all, all parties hope so let's go let's go yeah you guys want it because you think he can't hold up i want it because i want to see if he can i love it I,
2: I think you know honestly i think that we just like our staff they've been with jeff so long and they know jeff i think they know his, his strengths and weaknesses so if you put him out there i think he could get attacked but again he may he may have improved (laughs) so that that could be something different so that's that's the whole thing of the the whole question mark of i can't wait to see it
3: yeah besides jeff Okuda, obviously this defense is playing phenomenal they are the third ranked defense they have they're one of the best teams in giving up points have only averaged 17 points in the first two games and obviously very small sample size played the packers played the panthers (laughs) Is the defense expected to be this good overall you year, like in the offseason? Were you guys expecting to have a top? I mean, right now by the numbers, you guys are a top ten defense in the NFL right now.
4: No, no, not not this high. Um, and I don't think that they will continue to be this high. I do think part of it is Bryce Young in in the first game, and then I do think part of it was, you know, the, the Packers were able to move the ball uh, at times. I think the Falcons defense is going to be better and will end up being better than a lot of people expect. I just don't think it's going to be to this level. Um, The key areas where you are seeing that improvement, obviously Jesse Bates is a key one, right? Like he forced three turnovers in the first game alone. He was kind of the reason they won that game without him. I, I think that's much more of a coin flip game than it ended up being and two great, instinctual interceptions that were kind of the exact same play. And then a forced fumble that was almost like if he wasn't a savvy veteran, who was just kind of goofing around at the end of a play. I I don't think that fumble happens, but he was just like, eh, let me see if I can punch this out. And he did. And then he got so excited about it because he knew that he kind of like, you know, messed around and just like created a turnover there at the last second. So those are the types of veteran kind of savvy plays that, they invested in this offseason it's why they acquired i think him specifically as a, a safety but he is helping to transform their entire coverage um they are doing a lot more man than they have previously which is allowing them to kind of put more uh resources into rushing the passer that has not come to fruition yet They only have three sacks, which is concerning for a group that has the fewest amount of sacks of the last two seasons by like 30 sacks. It's like a huge margin. They're behind the Bears by just an immense amount. So the slow start in that category is not what you want. But, you know, this is a unit that is kind of in the offseason. When Ryan Nielsen came here, he said something in his introductory press conference that I really latched onto, And it was... Arthur Smith's, I think, vision for a a defense, just philosophically, is to be able to take away passing games by scheme. So your, your play call is oriented towards how do we stop this pass and that the athletes that you acquire are adept at making plays and navigating traffic on the ground just because they're the athlete. So you get kind of two components there. You get a smart player and you use the scheme to defend against schemes because more offenses are scheming up the passing game. And then you get the dudes who, when the whistle blows and everything turns to hell, they navigate that battlefield and they make these plays. So far, it's kind of working. The run defense has not been there, but I do think the focus on stopping passing games by scheming it up that has been there so far. And I do think that is something that can continue, but obviously this is going to be the biggest test in my opinion that they face so far this season, given that, you know, i Ross St. Brown and Josh Reynolds are out there, but even if they're not, I mean, this offense versus this defense is going to be so much fun.
3: I, I agree hundred percent. And that's, I think going to be a very good match to watch because the Lions' passing offense has been very, very good. And you saw that last game for Seattle out the, the passing offense was phenomenal. And, With potentially no David Montgomery in this game for the Lions, it's going to be interesting to see how efficiently they could run the ball. I mean, the first two games, they've been okay. I think they've been about pretty much league average as far as running the ball. But you saw there was a hit once Montgomery was out of the game. And uh, Campbell alluded to, if Montgomery can't play in this game, that they are going to go to a committee. So they have Jameer Gibbs, who they obviously drafted at the 12th overall pick this year. Craig Reynolds, and then they promoted Donovan Knight from the practice squad. So if Montgomery can't go, you can expect some type of committee within those three backs in this game. And um, like you said, the Falcons' rushing defense hasn't been great in the first two games. So it's going to be interesting to see which one kind of gives in more because who's going to, who's going to be more efficient, the Lions' running game without Montgomery potentially, or is the Falcons' run defense going to have a bigger game in this one? So that, that's going to be something interesting to keep up with in this game. The- Wait.
1: Oh my bad.
2: Go ahead. I was gonna say that's very interesting because I didn't think that the Falcons' running defense was probably a weak point. Because when I I tuned into the game, I tuned in and watched some of the game last week, and they just look fast, man. The whole defense, like the linebackers, flying around. And I saw them blitz uh, Jordan Love. I was like, man, this is this is a defense. <laughs> you know, it kind of got me a little worried for a bit. But yeah, I didn't realize that they were so weak against uh, the run. That's, that, that is that really like their weak.
4: The weak leak on the on the defense. It, it's mostly been, I mean, so far it has been it, like against Carolina. It was, I think missed like gap assignments. Uh, maybe as the gaps move, right. A linebacker goes actually half a gap over than where he should. And there's a little bit of daylight that the running back finds and he pops and the safeties and so they play a lot of man on the back end. So as you're getting some of these plays with that are basically run plays, but with passing elements tagged onto it, that man, kind of coverage comes into effect a little bit. And so because the Falcons rely on these athletes really to, to stop the run, if somebody misses their gap, like there there's just not a ton of help behind that. So that's what you saw kind of in week one. And then in week two, it was, I think the Packers have a very good run design. And, I you know, I think you just get one game where there was some issues, some leaky yards, they got to get it cleaned up maybe they did against green Bay and we just don't know yet because green Bay gets paid to do that too. And they do a very good job. And AJ Dillon was kind of running like a madman up the middle. So who knows? I, I think this will be, especially if David Montgomery's out, this will be a better litmus test for whether the Falcons got some of those issues fixed. Right.
3: Um, obviously, as far as your past defense, we all know about AJ Terrell and you alluded to him a little bit before and saying like, you know, he's obviously a, a true number one corner and, it seems like when you play the Falcons and you're trying to pass the ball, you don't go towards A.J. Terrell's side. Now, is there maybe a weakness that the Lions could potentially look for this Sunday uh, as far as that passing defense?
4: You know, I, I do think that you can go to A.J. Terrell's side, so I don't want to necessarily put that off the table. He is not the shutdown island corner. He's just a very well-rounded, good corner, right? Like, he he makes plays in the run game he like can kind of follow receivers move inside and outside like he just has a good well roundedness to his game and he does everything at a high level but he's not i'm taking a dude off the off the board because there are games when especially against bigger receivers so he may match up a little bit better against you know your receivers kind of fall into his wheelhouse more than like mike evans who gives him a lot of trouble um but I would say that going back and rewatching the Falcons Packers game, I was disappointed in how D Alford, who is their nickel corner played. Um, He was matched up against Jaden Reed, who obviously had a a couple of touchdowns in that game. And uh, D Alford, going back and looking at it, just looked like he was out of sync a few times, like not communicating well with the defense, didn't get the play call or wasn't just locked in as as much as he usually was. He's a former Canadian Football League player who was here in Atlanta last year, did really, really well in a small role, and then in training camp was like one of the stars, if not the star of camp. So the slow start isn't something I necessarily saw coming, but he would be somebody that they could certainly look to try to get some matchup advantages against. And then that number two spot, I mean, Trey Flowers, if, if he's playing a majority of the game, whether Jeff Okuda is back in, on a snap count or just he's out again, that's, that's somebody that they could definitely target. I mean, the Packers in the second half kind of went after Trey Flowers a lot and had a lot of success. The Falcons obviously adjusted in the fourth quarter and, and took something away from the Packers, but they, they're not unbeatable in the secondary.
1: Yeah, and I'm with you there too. Like, just looking at their past few games, like, nothing against your defense, but I don't think Carolina's passing attack, and I saw them the other day, I Mm -hmm. don't think it's that. I mean, their O line is not good. It's just not, it's not there. They don't really have much receivers. And then you look at the Packers, it's like they don't really like take deep shots. It's kind of like to play to Jordan Love's strengths, you know, those quick passes, get the ball out of his hand, get him going a little, which is the Lions. I think the Lions have a more. Um, wide open passes like they could go deep they could go short they could attack the middle they could attack they they do everything in Ben Johnson's scheme and Ooh. if you play man Ben Johnson loves to dial up those crossing routes those mesh routes those post mm-hmm. routes because those are man beaters that the guys could get off his guy so I do think um, it's going to be a fun matchup to watch like you said but I do agree. Outside of Terrell, I think the other guys you could attack him a little. And, and will, from my understanding, that AJ Terrell is not a type of corner
3: that trails receivers. Right, like he's not going to be the type of guy that like will trail receiver on the left, right side, or even go in the nickel. Because Ra is obviously mainly a nickel. I mean, a yeah. slot receiver.
4: He he has before. Um, there there have been matchups and last year he started doing it the beginning of the year, I think a lot more um, than he had ever before, but he's most comfortable being on the left side of the defense. or so the right, right side of the offense. Um mean, typically that's where he stays. He can come inside again, but not, not necessarily the, the tight, tight split he'll more kind of move in a little bit inside of the hash or a little bit inside of the numbers rather. But yeah, that, that's kind of where you'll find him. Yeah, so I'm well, interested.
2: Oh, oh, so, so well, did you, no if they play more of a um two safety side or they play more of a single safety um in the middle,
4: yeah. I mean, it's so in the box this is this is where when I'm talking about kind of the strength of the secondary and saying that the the play of the Falcons pass coverage, I think is really good, I'm not necessarily saying that the individual members of the secondary are very good. Part of that has to do with the scheme. And so the Falcons mix it up very well, or at least they have so far, and they disguise it. Uh, to a great deal. You know, you'll see Jesse Bates down in kind of at the linebacker level pre-snap and then ball snapped and, and maybe he rotates over to even where Richie Grant was and they bring the nickel corner back to the and they almost run like a like a uh, cloud cover or something like that. And there's just every single play is is changing. When you're saying there's a lot of movement uh, on the Falcons defense, it's because there is. Like when the ball is snapped, everybody, it seems like all 11 guys, are running somewhere, like not just sitting there and reacting. It's not really a reactive defense. They have a plan of attack on every play. And and a lot of that does involve the coverages because if they can get the quarterback to kind of pat the ball for one, two seconds, come off that first read, that is where, you know, a pass rush That's not very good does still, or, you know, I shouldn't say that in case any of the Falcons players are listening to this amazing podcast. So I, I don't want to disparage them necessarily that fully, but you know, they've not been effective yet so that gives them just that extra beat and it all marries together so they're trying to get the most out of the sum of the individual parts and and in doing so they run a lot of single high a lot of two high and they'll kind of blend it up don't you
3: all right let's take a quick break and we're gonna i want to talk ask some questions about this falcons offense
0: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate That's Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
4: It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a
1: tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this
0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSC.
3: All right, we are back, guys. Now we're here to talk about this Falcons offense. Now, Will, the first question I got, obviously you drafted B. John Robbins in the first round. I know he's an electric player. Um, He's been great in these first two weeks. You guys got a very young offense, obviously Bijan, Drake London. You got Kyle Pitts. How does Arthur Smith get all these guys incorporated into the offense?
4: Well, I think he's still trying to figure that out himself. Uh, You know, I don't we've not yet seen a game where all elements are rolling together. In the first game, notably Drake London didn't have a catch. Uh, Kyle Pitts really didn't have, uh, you know, and some would say he still didn't have like a, a big game, uh, but he at least had one big play against Carolina this past weekend. He was kind of nowhere. He was absent. Drake London had the big game. Obviously, the constant in these first two games has been the running game, which this is Atlanta. So no surprise there. Bajan Robinson looks to be already kind of the best player on this offense, or at least the, the good player that is going to be used the most. So that has been really exciting because everybody wants to see Bajan and what we've seen so far, everybody wants to see more and more and more of him. Like if they gave the ball to this dude 65 times in a game, every single play, I don't think people would be upset at it. And I, now, though, because we know what he can do, and that was part of the excitement and the allure coming into the season, the questions are starting to turn to the other guys, right? Like, all right, so now Kyle Pitts, like, what are you doing? Why like, why aren't we winning these by multiple scores against Green Bay? Because we're not using pieces, you know, two, three, and four. Uh, so that's the blend that they're trying to figure out. Part of that does have to do with, with quarterback, but I do think part of it has to do with... Just the rhythm of the play calling. Sometimes, you know, they'll they'll have like a couple of three and outs and then a 15 play drive and it looks great. And then they'll follow that up with like a nine play drive and it looks great. And then kind of come in and it feels like they want to try some stuff and it goes pretty poorly and then it's like a three and out again. So I do think they're trying to find that right balance of getting all the parties involved, but the talent is still there. It's very apparent. <laughs> They're just not necessarily maximizing it the way that I, again, I feel like they kind of are on defense. Now it is still a little bit more disjointed offensively for Atlanta. They just happen to have an amazing run game they can fall back on.
3: Yeah. I, I want to see on Sunday how this Lions defense looks against tight ends because that's one thing. Especially last week, we had a very, very difficult time of stopping tight ends. It didn't really matter who it was. It was Noah Fant, Colby Parkinson for the Seahawks. We, we had no answers for them. And that's two years in a row. Seattle has picked our defensive part with their tight ends. So I wonder now if, like, Arthur Smith, he sees kind of the, the formula to, like, maybe exploit this Lions defense is getting your tight end involved. And you have a talent like Kyle Pitts. I know, like you said, he has been quiet the first two weeks. And, you know, I think you guys expect a little more out of him, too, since you guys drafted him. I wonder if this is a game that maybe they try to get him more involved just because that's our, one of, one of our biggest weaknesses on defense is stopping the tight end.
4: Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Like the, this is a coaching staff that is very game plan oriented, matchup oriented. They they come in and they will really kind of like hammer and target uh, some weaknesses they feel they can exploit. So that matchup would make a lot of sense. I think in this past game we saw after Drake London had no catches, they made a, a pretty clear effort on the very first drive to get him involved. He got a catch. Everybody was kind of like, cool. Put that behind us. Keep rolling forward like we're, we're good from here. Wouldn't be shocked if that's a game plan for Kyle Pitts uh, in this one as well. But don't be surprised if Johnny Smith is also a big factor in this game as well. Like he he got involved finally on a tight end screen um, against Green Bay. I've been waiting for that play because he was so good at running it um, in Tennessee. And it was it went for like an 18-yard gain because he's a really good run after the catch player. So yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if, if both tight ends are in the uh, game plan, but the beauty of Atlanta's offense is that could be Drake London in that tight end role. That could be Mac Collins in that kind of tight end role. That could be Cordero Patterson who will be back out there in that tight end role. So yeah, they can find a lot of ways to exploit that particular weakness. (sighs)
1: Um, question for you. So I was looking at the Falcons and I think one of their biggest areas of improvement, no one really talks about his offensive line. Maybe your only weakness is a rookie Bergeron, but I think he's going to be a good player in this league. Eventually he's just, you know, he's a rookie struggling. Now the lion's biggest strength on defense, which it was a surprise to us is the run defense. They were awful last year. They held Seattle. They stopped Seattle, you know, Seattle, what loves to run the ball. They Seattle only gained 3.3 yards per carry on 25 carries. Um, Obviously Atlanta though is a whole different type of uh, scheme. Now when teams are playing Atlanta, are you noticing that teams are stacking the box, daring Desmond Ritter to throw it?
4: Um, You know, it's been hard so far early to really tell whether like it's just, they're selling out playing and play out because I, I do think that the Falcons do a good job. Part of the reason why they, they have these bigger receivers and they, kind of keep everybody in tight to line of scrimmage is that is the best way to break some of these tendencies and to really keep defenses guessing. So they almost invite every, like they want everybody in tight to that box, including their own guys. Like let's get everybody on in here. So for that reason, yeah, you're going to see when you, when you just kind of look in between the numbers or in between the hashes in this game, it like it's going to be most of the players because they're not one of the, like the lions, We'll split it out. The The Chargers will kind of spread everybody out. The Packers at times spread everybody. The Falcons bring everybody in tight like they're going to play rugby. And out of that, then they get wide. Then they kind of scatter from there. And it's been really effective because, as I was saying, with kind of like defending the pass based on the scheme, the Falcons want to move a defense into the point where they're scheming to stop the run, because I do think they believe that a a schemed up passing game will beat a defense that is relying again on its athletes and players to kind of fall back on their technique and instinct because the, the play design is scripted to stop the run first and foremost. And, you know, we have not seen that work. I think to the, level in theory that it should, but that has more to do with the quarterback more to do with some of the miscues between the players themselves. But you'll see a lot of uh, Detroit's defenders in the box on, on Sunday. I'm pretty sure of it. I
1: mean, I think, I think what the goal is personally going to be, because I mean, we've seen Desmond Ritter play. He's been up and down, you know, he's still a young player. It's only his third career start coming in. Um, I could see like the lions just daring him to throw the ball. Um. Because when that happens, you know, like, it does Ritter have it? Could he make those throws? Like, what are your thoughts on Ritter through his first two games? I feel like he's up and down, maybe more down than up. But uh, you cover the team. What are your thoughts on him?
4: I think his down moments have been worse than his up moments. I don't know if there have necessarily been more. I just think they stand out a little bit more. I mean, the the first quarter against Green Bay was, was really bad. Like, there's not a way to sugarcoat that. He threw a ball that, you know... They'll, they'll say that, and this is probably true in a lot of ways. He couldn't step into, he was getting kind of hit as he, as he made the throw, but like I've seen NFL quarterbacks get more on a ball out of that. And and it was just kind of floating up the decision-making at times. It does feel like he's maybe going, making it a little bit harder on himself than he has to. Like there are some open options underneath where you see kind of the quarterbacks once they do get over that first initial anxiety of like having to prove that they're good and belong in the league. When you see them settle down is when they actually start going to those shorter options a little bit more. And that's not a bad route, like a bad choice. You just have to know when to sprinkle it in. And that's what the great players like an Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or Matthew Stafford, like at points in his career were pretty good at just knowing, all right, that's here. You're going to give that to me. Thank you. Now it's second and three he's not there yet. So he's going to at times play the Falcons out of games, but at times he's also going to make a third and fifteen throw to Drake London where you're like, Whoa, where did that come from? Like he never is out of it. He never looks rattled, but he's almost like a little Baker Mayfield ish kind of in that way where he's like, he just keeps on trucking for better and worse. Uh, but his legs are a real factor. Like we're still finding out about does murder all of us. Like, <laughs> I, yeah, I can't. Yeah, team, like where, what you see on Sunday is what I'm going to see, and it's going to be a total mystery every step of the way. I mean,
2: I, I'm going to say this, man. I am i don't know why. I'm a little worried, man. And, and the thing is right now, even though Desmond Ritter hasn't had his best game, I think his legs may cause us a problem because our defensive coordinator um, is kind of, I don't know how, the best way to say this. as far his as his biggest kryptonite. The, yeah, when he played against guys that could could move and and run out the pocket and, and make some yard with defeat, he doesn't know what to do with that. So, I mean, if Desmond Ritter goes off, I'm gonna lose my shit. So I'm not I'm, I'm gonna lie, man. I'm, 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna be at a different level of anger if if Aaron Glenn allows this to happen, because I think the first game he threw for like a little over 100 yards, and then in yeah, week week two he threw like 230, I believe. If he comes out and have a 300, 400-yard game, and go, I'm going to lose my shits. So I'm going to tell everybody now. This is what it is, guys. Well,
1: like, when you look at Ritter and the foul, the goal is to, like, stop the runs on early downs. Unfortunately, third and mediums, third and long. And that's how you kind of get Ritter to maybe make his mistakes and stuff. If, you, if they're just running it down your throats, everything opens up. That's the, you got to stop the
2: run first. I just, man, I mean, last week was – I mean, I, the reason why I'm saying because last week was rough. I mean, we we watched Geno Smith carve us to pieces. And it was just yeah. like the secondary, just everybody looked lost in the secondary. I just want to see if this defense, this secondary, Aaron Glenn, the, our defensive coordinator, makes adjustments and can do something to prevent us getting carved up again. I don't yeah, want well, to see two weeks of getting carved up. Two weeks yeah. of getting carved up is not a good feeling. Yeah, especially
3: at, especially at home too.
2: Especially at neither, home, especially
4: because the quarterback is not used to carving people up.
2: Yeah. He yeah, hasn't carved anybody up yet. This is his third start. He will
4: need to. It, this will be his uh, his seventh overall. Oh, yeah. seventh overall start. Seventh start. Okay. Have
2: you have, have you have, have you seen him carve anybody up yet? Like like wow like.
4: No, but this this also isn't an offense I think designed really to carve people up, or at least not this iteration that we have right now. Um exactly. Again, this this is going to be one where. They probably want to throw like 28 passes a game, Yeah. like no, no more maybe than 30. And it's like even the, the designs themselves, it's going to be a lot of two man routes. It's going to be, you know, a lot of rollouts that have levels, concepts. But, you know, maybe the main read is kind of like a nine yard pickup. Or, or it's that two man kind of we're gonna take you over the top and we're gonna take our shot. But they're not really like a slice and dice type of of passing game. They're just, they're just not. They're not the the Packers, you know, of of Aaron Rodgers, who are totally comfortable sitting there and just being like, we're gonna run just slants until you show that you can stop us, and we're just gonna do it for eighty yards down the field. Like that's, I mean, that's, that's not what, what we had with Drew Brees. Ready.
2: Like, (laughs) let me ask: Are you are you are you kind of like as as far as like covering the Falcons and being a Falcons fan? And are you worried that they are too one dimensional and they may not have that passing element if uh, you play against a team that could completely take away that running game? And now they're forcing Desmond Ritter to say, "Look, you beat us."
4: Yeah, I mean, for sure. At this point, at this point in his career, yeah. I mean, I but I probably would have said that about a, like a rookie year Matt Ryan. Um and yeah. and that's not I would be again more concerned like I for a lot of reasons I don't know if this team would ever really just say okay, yeah, like now we are just taking kind of all the tight ends off the field except for Kyle Pitts, but now you're split out wide and we're just totally opening it up because we're down 28 to nothing at the beginning of the second quarter because we kind of saw that against Cincinnati last year and they were down really quickly to the Bengals, to a very explosive Bengals off. It was like 17 to nothing or something at the end of the first quarter and they damn near ran the ball as many times as they did in every other game. Like this is just an offense that's just going to do what like they... They don't establish the run as kind of like, Yeah, we're we're putting just enough in the bank so that people don't like give us the withdrawal fee or whatever that you like didn't put enough in the bank each month. So now we're gonna like charge you for keeping it with us or however banks work. I don't know. I'm not a finance major, but that's not what this is. It's not lip service to the run game. Like their offense is the run game. And the passing is kind of the ornament on the the tree that is the run game. It's what they're going to do to then like take advantage of all these weaknesses and take advantage of the, the fact that like, Oh, you thought we were kidding. No, we're going to keep, keep, keep running the ball. That's where I, I say they get in trouble offensively is when they kind of start out a drive with like two pass plays. And now all of a sudden it's, third and 10 they're still willing to run the ball there it's just not my favorite pattern of sequences that they could run offensively I like it when they start kind of getting that that forward momentum in a drive and you get a defense going back a little bit and then you kind of click in the passing game that's how they work best so uh, to answer that question like I don't know if they would even play a traditional type of shootout offense like if you the Packers at one point were up very comfortably against the Falcons. I mean, I think they trailed by like 12 points in the fourth quarter or something. And, and the Falcons just kind of kept trucking and doing what they were doing.
3: Well, so there's that. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Before we head out of here, let's get your picks, Will. Obviously, big game Sunday for... Both these teams, Lions. I mean, you don't put a must-win game on any Week Three game because it's just kind of unnecessary to do that. You got a long season, but it would be a very big disappointment for I think the Lions if they were to drop both the home games, especially after winning Kansas City. What are your thoughts on this game? How do you think it plays out?
4: So the biggest thing that I that gives me optimism for Atlanta is actually kind of Detroit's defense against this run game. You mentioned Desmond Ritter's running ability, but I kind of, I know they did a decent job, like kind of bottling up um, Seattle's run game as a whole last week, but I looked at, and this wasn't just, I guess I should just say the tackling, not just the, yeah. the run defense, but like the tackling overall for Detroit concerned me when I was watching them play against Seattle. And, But John Robinson, even though he's not big, even though he kind of is talked about like an LT or, you know, like a little bit of a, like a scat back type of play. Like he is so good at breaking tackles. His contact balance is that of like an Ezekiel Elliott or like a Marshawn Lynch. Like he just dudes bounce off of him. I've never seen anything like it. So I think that you, The Lions will have some real issues stopping Atlanta's run game, especially because I think Atlanta is going to be able to get their backs in a lot of one-on-one situations against defenders. And in that matchup, I give the advantage to Atlanta pretty cleanly, at least just based on what I saw Last week in Seattle, that can get cleaned up as well, and I could be eating my own words. But if the Falcons get that rolling, then that's where I think these these tight, these tight end issues, these you know, Kyle Pitts, Drake London, get them down the field, Matt Collins. Now you really start to see Atlanta's offense open up, and that's why I think the Falcons will probably have their best offensive performance of the season this weekend, even though it's on the road. I think they're going to kind of come in business wise. And I do think Detroit's going to put up some points, just not as much. I think it'll be like 30 to 24 Atlanta.
2: Wow. All right. All right, man.
3: There there, we go. 30, 24 Atlanta.
4: This would be the first 3-0 start for the Falcons since 2017, I believe, right? Uh, yes, yep. I think they went three and one to start. That was the first season I began working uh, for Atlanta Falcons.com that year. So then they beat Detroit. Uh, I believe in I, the I was just second gonna bring game. that game up. Yeah, that what was, was the, the third game. Was that, the, the, third game? Was that the third game? that was, was, was on the
2: road. Was that the game? That was the game. Yeah, that was the ref game. Yeah, that was the tough game. The 10 second runoff game? Because, you know, it's actually funny you
3: bring that up. We were both 2 0 going into that matchup at Ford Field, week three. So, I mean, we're, we were almost 2 0 in this game. It could almost been the same exact situation <laughs> yeah. from 2017 to 2023. But man, time flies, huh? Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> uh, we didn't take care of business versus Seattle. We don't have the, the honor to be 2 0 right now and, you know, be playing for that 3 0 game. But I remember that was a very intense game, sad ending for the Lions, but it was a great game uh, between both of us.
4: It was. Yeah. I, I remember, I mean, turnovers, I think, second half for y'all really helped yeah. you guys come back. Matt Ryan threw yeah. like three picks, I think. A couple of them were tipped. Yeah. That was, that was a fun game.
3: Yeah. It was. All right. Will, um, boys got anything else to ask to Will or we good? No, nah, thanks, Will. We appreciate it. Yeah. All right. Yeah, really uh, again, Will, where could they find you out?
4: Yeah, um, you can check us out, Believe in Falcons, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, you can find my writing over at The Falcoholic. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at Will McFadden. That's why I usually don't put my handle on the thing, because it's just my name. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> just check out Will McFadden. You can Google me. I'm out there. I'm easy to find. Thank me. you so much for, uh, for having me on. This was a blast. <laughs> Yeah, it spelled me like
3: uh, Darren McFadden, the <laughs> former Raiders running back, right? There you go. Yep. Yeah. There you go. So, all right. <laughs> well, appreciate you coming on. If you guys enjoy the episode, it is always much appreciated if you could leave a five star view. And that is all I got for y'all. I'm out, guys. Peace. All right, guys. I'm out. Peace.
2: All right. It's your boy, Malcolm. And I am out. Peace.